Performers Pod. Today I'm with one of my favorite people. I haven't seen you since the last time in Berlin and too yeah. long since yeah. we've seen each other. <laughs> Yonder Rossi. I'm so excited to see you again. It's yeah. yeah. I feel like when the porn world was fully back and operational before COVID, like I felt like I saw you like two, three times a year. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We used to hang out like quite regularly, but now the travel is <laughs> totally <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're actually one of the first people I met in European porn. I think I met you my first day in Germany. That's so nice. Yeah, I felt like I was introduced to like all the right people. Like I felt like I was in- introduced to Poppy, I was introduced yeah. <laughs> to Rue and Kali and a few other people. And I'm just like, oh, wow, these are all people who are still actively making stuff and still doing really cool things so yeah I felt like I got as well because like my first day in Germany I met um Parker Mm. yeah if you ever ended up meeting him Mm -hmm. but yeah my first day was uh Parker met me like straight out of the airport and we'd never met before (laughs) so I feel like it's like this nice little cycle of porn performers supporting each other in their like immigration (laughs) I feel like there's so much of that in like Berlin porn like the first time I went to the festival I was a filmmaker in focus so Jurgen picked me up from the airport and then he's just like oh I will give you a tour of Berlin on the way to your hotel so I like saw all this stuff like 20 minutes into getting into Berlin so I'm like oh I saw the wall I saw this I saw that so yeah, that's right. You came here as the as the important person. Yeah, I I held out on my getting my passport for too long. So that's kind of <laughs> what it was where I'm just like, oh, I'll just do it next year. And then eventually I really needed to. So when did you move to Berlin? I know you're originally Australian. Mm-hmm. Did you do um, much stuff in Australia or did you really start pursuing porn full time in Germany? No, I definitely started in Australia. Um, so I started for this um, like porn company called Girls Out West. It was oh, like we, very... we just actually had someone on from there. Um, do you know yeah. Lainey Day? Yeah, I know Lainey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really small scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing that kind of like... Um, girl on girl stuff and Mm -hmm. then I actually got into making my own content and selling it on many vids um because of the people that I met doing porn in Australia like it's really supportive and um so I met I don't know if you know like Kim Combs oh yeah definitely uh, yeah and Petite Nymphette like all of these really cool people that were like, you know, you should really be monetizing this. Like, don't just do it for someone else. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how I got my start. And um, I would say Berlin is where I started getting into the more creative and queer side of porn, not just like uh, the more mainstream kind of making money in between escorting bookings. Mm. Yeah, it seems like Australia, it's like escorting is definitely the main thing there where porn is just more secondary, which is so hard to realize for people in the United States because here it's the exact opposite where it's like, oh yeah, porn's totally legal. Escorting is this like, you know. It's still a taboo, I think, Mm -hmm. for a lot of US sex workers. For sure. Even sex workers that are like um, doing the sugaring 
thing and they still meet someone off the internet and they still have sex with someone as soon as they meet them for money. But I think that word escorting for people in the US still has that like scary thing. I think it definitely does. And even just the idea of a brothel. I mean, I think we have like two (laughs) in the United States where I've dated way too many Australians for being someone who's never gone to Australia. But I felt like I said so many partners were just like, oh yeah, you just go to the brothel for the weekend, you make your money and then you go home. Yes, you dated, um, I don't want to say their name because I don't know their like name that they use. But I know that you dated um, like a friend of mine. Yeah, I, I dated <laughs> way too many Australians. It was like such yeah. a problem. <laughs> like that was my early 20s where it was like, oh yeah, I'm getting a girl from Melbourne. And then, oh, I broke up with her. Oh, I'm getting another girl from now Sydney or now like <laughs> wherever else in Australia where it's just kind of, yeah. You're very popular in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get on a plane for like 20 hours to go to Australia. I'm just like, yeah. it's too it's too similar. I'm like, I don't want to go that far just to have it be another variation of like mostly white people. Where I'm just like... Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, it's too far to go for too much of the same. Yeah, Austra- <laughs> America light, I guess you would call it. I like to think of it as like British Texas a lot because like arguably there's things that you do that are way more American than America. (laughs) Really? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. some of the food there, like just kind of like the way of drinking. I feel like it's just more. Yeah. The drinking (laughs) is really like a lot. It takes, it takes a while to get used to. I think if you're not Australian, when you come here. I was trying to explain, um, my partner is Chilean. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain that like um, at our football matches, we had all these riots because football matches go for 90 minutes mm-hmm. and they had a limit. They said, you can only drink 30 beers per match. Wait, individually? Yeah, per person. <laughs> Wait, what? And people got really angry about it. 30 <laughs> That's a beer every three minutes. Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. Drinking is a big thing in Australia. And I think it's really <laughs> shocking for most people who are not from there. Like, it's really, I mean, I grew up in Japan. I lived there mm-hmm. until I was yeah. 13. So um, Australian drinking, I'm kind of like used to it. It's similar. But then when I came to Europe, I was like, oh my God, you don't drink until you pass out. That's weird. <laughs> So you grew up in Japan until you were like 13, then you moved back to Australia? Yeah, so I moved there when I was uh, starting high school. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that had to be a pretty big jump. Oh, yeah, it was, I was not happy about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there's some alternate reality where you just stay in in Tokyo the whole time and you're making fetish porn in Tokyo. (laughs) That's probably a big part of why my parents like, moved me to Australia (laughs) I would be making fetish porn and dating some guy with like two missing fingers (laughs) (laughs) but I mean you were pretty young you probably couldn't get into that much trouble right no I mean you can't really get into that much trouble as a kid in Japan anyway because it's so safe (laughs) yeah definitely that's always the vibe I got out of there 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, um, I had a performer from Tokyo on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting how the porn scene's just so different there. It's like so insular and really just until very recently, just entirely run by studios. And you worked there, didn't you? Um, I did a screening there. I didn't shoot anything. Um, oh. I got some really cheap flights that I was able to do a screening tour with Queer Porn Americana and... I was in the Midwest at the time in the States, and I found a flight that was round trip to Japan for $400. Amazing. So I was like, oh, I need to do this right now. And then I have a friend there who's like, oh, yeah, you can stay on my floor. So I'm like, hell yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I just found out I was very allergic to cherry blossoms. I did not know that. So it was like in the middle of it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) of course. (laughs) Yeah, completely in the middle. Felt horrible for a few days, but like it was so pretty and it was just such a great experience. I just feel like just the size of Tokyo is just so sprawling and just really mm-hmm. blows your mind compared to really anywhere else in the world, at least that I've been. I think it is the biggest city in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It is. I think it's like 28 million or something, which is just 50 million. Yeah. Just so crazy. Yeah, Osaka is the second biggest, and that's uh, 25 million. So, yeah, or 20 million. I don't know. I don't want to go on record. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> think anyone's coming here for like um, population updates, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Oh my God. You never know. Um- <laughs> <laughs> so, when did you get into porn in Australia? How old were you? I was. Um, I think I was 22. Okay. Yeah, it was fairly young, I think. Um, basically, I started doing sex work around that age, like 22. Mm-hmm. I um, had basically some financial problems and a friend told me that you could make like a thousand Australian so like uh, 500 euro in a day mm-hmm. if you work in a brothel and I was like oh that sounds really cool I'll give it a go and if I hate it I can just quit yeah um turned out I didn't hate it um <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a certain inclination of the girls who are like oh yeah I want to try that like yeah. you're pretty <laughs> you kind of want to like that's how I felt about camming where I'm like the first exactly. $20 was cool, but it was also like, oh, wow, this is kind of hot. Exactly. There's also mm-hmm. that like, intrigue part of it. And um, the girls at the brothel I worked at, they all worked for Girls at West. And they were like, oh, you know, if you do this, it's a guaranteed amount per day. And you only work with one person and it's a cute girl. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how you were very easily sold. You were like, okay, I guess yeah. I'm doing porn now. <laughs> pretty much I was like oh you know if I get paid to have sex with a hot girl I'm pretty much into it (laughs) so so I'm assuming you were doing um Lainey explained it as like just like natural girls in the bush like fucking essentially is that kind of the porn you were doing for the most part yeah it's very much like the girl next door kind of cutesy scenario where you're both like oh we're both alone in this beautiful piece of nature why don't we just go down on each other and like 
<laughs> I love that like all I feel like all Australian porn I see is like very much that it's always like we're in nature and we both have a bunch of hair and it's just part mm. of it yeah um big bushes are just really in in Australian porn I'm not sure like how that happened but <laughs> it is really unique that there's like a specific look for Australian porn though like because you're only I think the second Australian performer I've had on mm-hmm. and like the more that I talk to Australian porn performers and look at Australian porn it's like there's such a specific look and there's a lot of countries that don't really have a specific look for their porn yeah Australian porn is very much like um happy-go-lucky white girls with mm-hmm. like really big pubes and like natural hair and <laughs> small titties. <laughs> yeah, like a hundred percent. So I'm assuming you were doing that for a while and you just kind of wanted to be more creative. You started doing your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do my own stuff and um, kind of realizing, like you said, there's a very specific, very specific look with Australian porn and um I don't know anyone who looks like that apart from me and other porn performers. Like my friends are not just white, skinny, cis, um, straight passing girls. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was recommending my friends for these companies and these companies were like, oh, they're too alternative. They have like, you know, two tattoos or they... (laughs) big boobs or like they have a scar on their thigh and all of this stuff so that kind of made me start looking at creating my own stuff or working with other people that were less um body negative Mm -hmm. I don't know like it's such a hard thing you know because I don't want to say that queer porn is more moral because we have different bodies yeah because if someone's just into like super generic looking people humping each other then like that's what they're into I don't want to shame that um (laughs) yeah I I'm just like so confused by the whole Australian porn like is that thought of as just generally hot in Australian culture is it just specifically a porn thing I mean, it's a hard thing because um, Australia is, I mean, I haven't lived in Australia in seven years, Mm -hmm. but um, it's a very white, cis, um, patriarchal country. And... um, God, I mean, sorry, I'm taking <laughs> You're totally um, fine. I mean, this is what this <laughs> podcast is for, long-winded things about porn. So you're totally welcome to it. It also feels like there's a lot of Australian performers who almost have to move out of Australia to become really yeah. successful and really do their own thing, like Angela White, for example. Oh, yeah. I mean, Angela is amazing. I think she's so cool. She actually did uh, women's studies at the same university as me. Oh, really? 
Yeah, um, so did, um, oh God, what's her name? She does fetish stuff. Is it Zara Stardust? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's amazing. There's a few of us that did women's studies at the same university. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the pipeline. That, yeah, that's the gateway. But um, yeah, Australia is like still very narrow and patriarchal, mm-hmm. patriarchal in its standards. Like Angela would be considered too big. Yeah, which is so bizarre to me. Pretty that. much anything in Australia, which is insane because she's like a the biggest like average, porn star in the world. <laughs> biggest porn star in the world, and also yeah. like quite a slim lady with big boobs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but she it's, would be considered way too big to get a job with any of the Australian companies. Like, it's, it's just so narrow and so it like adheres to a beauty standard that I don't even think exists anymore. Yeah, it's just very strange that that's like yes. what becomes Australian porn that's being put into the world. Like, truly, like, I can't think of another country that has that uniform of a aesthetic for porn I mean most other countries have oh yeah there's a bunch of stuff that's being made here maybe Berlin with like some art porn that you're like oh that's probably not going to be made anywhere else yeah but other than that it's just like although I guess art porn really has its own standard like then it's just like you know a size 10 brunette with natural tits (laughs) and they're like oh we're so out there letting these like chubby ladies be desirable (laughs) and it's like we're still skinny and like white and cis (laughs) yeah it's true yeah that's why like the ethical porn terms trip me up so much because like even if you're doing inclusive casting you don't know what the cast is going through you don't know what the crew is dealing with like I just feel like that's such a hard thing for me to get sold on and like that like porn for women thing also trips me up where I'm just like women can be into all sorts of things who says this crazy gangbang that this woman's getting off on isn't for her you know (laughs) yeah I feel like this kind of thing like when I first moved to Berlin and I was first exposed to these when did you move to Berlin about six years ago I think okay And I remember being so excited by all these terms, you know, it was like feminist porn and it was queer and it was alternative, but then you um, get involved with it and it definitely is, there's some incredible stuff happening and I don't ever want to discount how amazing the stuff that's being made here is and how Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of really groundbreaking film, but at the same time, there is a lot of mainstream porn that's just piggybacking off that. Yeah, um, I um, had Dante on from Berlin and he called mm. it the gingification of porn there. Mm. Where it's like these larger companies come in and they're like, oh, I see the creative thing you're doing and I'm just going to throw money at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely gentrification is a really good good term for it it's something that um i did a 
panel at the Berlin Porn Film Festival about mm -hmm. two years ago about the gentrification of the sex industry. Um, and we had some sex workers come in from, um, they were trans street-based sex workers mm -hmm. from Kurfürstendamm, And they came in to talk about um, the work that they were doing and disco tips was there as well. Oh, as yeah, I remember that. I think that was three years ago. I tried to go, but yeah. <laughs> the building was locked when I got there. Oh, no. And I couldn't get in for some reason. <laughs> but um, it was really incredible hearing people talk about um, how the industry is really becoming this exclusive thing when it's like, mm -hmm. if you're someone who is doing sex work because you just need the money it's almost like that's not enough anymore mm -hmm. like um yeah you need to be groundbreaking and you need to be pushing boundaries and you need to be like uh, championing your marginalized status and these women mm -hmm. that were working on cover sedan were like we just want to make 50 bucks like <laughs> yeah I think I definitely saw it in the Bay Area when I first moved here. There were a lot of people moving to the Bay just to do porn. And there were a lot of people from backgrounds who were more privileged and wealthy, where it was almost viewed as a social clout thing when it was still on Tumblr and all that stuff, where it just felt like such a different thing from my own reasons for getting into sex work was I couldn't get employed anywhere where I'm from because it was like super conservative <laughs> and, um, during the recession in the state of Michigan, like I think our unemployment was like up to 15% because all the factory shut down. So I, as a trans person, couldn't get a job anywhere. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, camming is the most accessible thing. That's why I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. And then just moving here, there was just so many people here for so many different reasons. And it's just so different here now because it's really just kind of back to, oh yeah, if you're doing porn here, you're doing it to make money. You're doing it to survive that sort of thing where I feel like it was so different at a time where I feel like these scenes that do pop up kind of do draw that in where there's a lot more people who are coming to sex work for a lot of different reasons yeah exactly and I, I think th that energy is now in Berlin that used to be in <laughs> SF I think that's a big responsibility that we have if we want to be creating queer porn that resonates with people and makes if we're making porn because we want people to feel good about themselves and we want people who are marginalized to be able to see themselves represented and we want to have these screenings where we create community, which I do think is really important. We also have the responsibility to kind of balance that with like, how do we not push out mm -hmm. um, people who are just doing sex work because they just want money yeah because at the end of the day like that is such an important part of sex work to not fall into resp respectability politics I think for sure I feel like it's always I think if you do have a platform porn I think it's your responsibility to try to use that to yeah. help people who are more marginalized whether that's like doing something like a fundraiser from your films or screenings or whatever else I feel like there's needs to be some way to give back 
if you do have a platform you know I just think I mean I guess it's a deeper question but why do you do porn like what Mm -hmm. do you really feel out of it if you can pinpoint on one thing that's a really interesting question because I think my answer pre and post COVID are so different Before the pandemic, I would absolutely say the reason I do all of the queer porn that I did was because I really wanted people who were queer to see something that was hot and I wanted them to get off and I wanted I mean, (laughs) I'm like, I want people with different bodies to feel good about themselves. And I'm like, a skinny white person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's definitely a thing. But like, you can want all that and be a skinny white Australian girl and still want to, you know, contribute to that. And I feel like with stuff like Sluts for Sluts, it did, like you did have a lot of different queer bodies. And that was the whole point of Sluts for Sluts was just to like make stuff that was fucking hot with different bodies Mm -hmm. and show stuff being sexy that wasn't really shown being sexy, like um, squishy bellies and like, people grabbing into fat thighs and like brown bodies and trans bodies and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff that I think we really did and I know like even now I still meet people who say that the sluts for sluts stuff made an impact on them which is really cool yeah I mean we've screened with you guys so many times I think we did an entire I have like a little poster on the wall that has (laughs) you guys name on it I'm just like I definitely have a deep place in my heart for what you guys are doing. I think for me, I just like that feeling of just connecting with other creative people and just being mm-hmm. able to leave a set and be like, wow, we did a thing. We walked in here with no plans and then we put together everything. And now we have a thing that's going to go out into the world. Oh my God. Like Kendall dreaming. Yeah. That was out of nowhere. Do you want to like, explain that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to explain that? yeah (laughs) I feel like that's the I feel like that's the most dummy I've ever gotten in my life do you want to explain what you did to that Kendall (laughs) I don't even really know how that came up I think I was just watching a lot of John Waters Mm -hmm. and I had this Kendall and I really wanted to do something different and I think we were just joking about the doll and then we were like let's just do it like because <laughs> why why can't porn be hilarious yeah like- <laughs> it was very hard to shoot that and not laugh it was so hard I was doing videography on it and I it was so difficult not to laugh oh <laughs> uh, yeah but I think like and that when you say like why do you do porn I think that is why like we had so much fun yeah and we made something that has been screened in so many cities and people still approach I'm sure they approach you as well and mention this movie (laughs) like this weird porn surrealist comedy that 
God, I don't know. It was just so much fun and sexy. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's so weird that all these movies have second lives and they go on. And really, now with like the whole festival circuit, you can make a movie in your hometown in like a bedroom and then it's going to go around the world. And you're just like, wow, now someone in Athens is watching it at a festival and being like, what the hell is this? You know, like it's just so crazy to think about because I always felt like my artistic goals growing up it was so limited by just being like oh this is regional okay maybe I can do something in Chicago someday that's a big city mm-hmm. and now I feel like with this whole porn circuit you can really make porn anywhere in the world and it can get out essentially anywhere and go kind of anywhere which is just so cool and I think so special yeah yeah it's a really fun medium for expressing different ideas about identity and politics and um intimacy but also like i you say like oh i'm just from michigan but you know there are so many amazing artists from michigan that uh been creating video art like i don't know if you've seen this film um it happened in michigan oh no i have not what is it um, oh my god let me i'm the- i'm shocked <laughs> there's some really uh, famous video artists that have come out of Michigan. Interesting. And there's also the um, Slavery uh, History Museum. That's yeah, also- that's outside of Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, there's a and lot Eileen of... Um, there's a Michigan. lot of... Who? Eileen Wernos is from Michigan. She's actually... We were born in the same hospital. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, we're both from we're both from I was born in Grand Rapids, but I grew up in a city named Holland in Michigan. That's all like a mini Netherlands, but in the Midwest for some reason. Crazy. Yeah. That's it's the same. Yeah. Um, we also have Dita Von Tees, which is a good one. That's a good one. Um, and Hunter but then, is also from the same town as you, right? Who? Uh Huntress. Yes, Huntress. yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, from the we, same town. We talked way too much about regional geography and streets and theaters where where we're like no one other than people in our hometown will have any, will know what this theater is, what this street is, but. All right, so this artist is um, called Cecilia Condit. Oh, uh, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. And they, the film is possibly in Michigan, but then they also have a few others um I really think you should check her out she's amazing yeah I definitely will we definitely have some really great artists there but we also have some really bad ones like Kid Rock is from Michigan which is very unfortunate um (laughs) oh ICP the Insane Clown Posse is from Michigan so we have a lot of juggalos that's kind of an issue like that's a real issue I grew up with where we're like you can't go to that side of the park it's just juggalos yeah is Kanye West from Michigan? No, he's from Chicago. So I grew up where I'm from is about if you follow the lake up, that's where I'm from. So it's like two hours, maybe. So not very far, but yeah. Although I do always like the more freak represent. Like I I would be much more proud of like Insane Clown Posse and Eileen Warnos than like. <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem with Insane Clown Posse is 
we have to deal with juggalos as a real disturbance. So it's just like people who wear the face paint and they do you know um, Fago the pop, the soda. So wow, that's that's a deep Michigan cut knowing Fago. So they're like covered in Fago and they all smell like from Michigan for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we do get out. You can't really stay there. So they like are covered in Fago and like body odor and like menthol cigarettes. So like that's how they smell. So you just kind of avoid them. So it's it's been a real issue just there. So it's never really been a thing where it's like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, juggalos. But. (laughs) there's been a few that have come on the podcast who didn't tell me until late on they're like yeah ICP I'm like oh okay (laughs) yeah we have some I don't know I think it's an interesting place to grow up um creatively like my hometown's really small but there's a really strong music and art scene there so Mm, I think you can definitely feel inspired to make stuff and it's really cheap so I think that definitely helps but I definitely think there's a thing about Michigan where it feels like you're so isolated that you don't ever feel like your art's going to get out. So until I really moved to California, I just never really had the vision to be like, oh, I can go to Europe and do stuff or go to Japan. It just like wasn't really in the mindset, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Did you kind of feel the same thing with Australia in a way? Because I feel like it's fairly isolated as well. I mean... Obviously, Michigan's just like two hours from a big city, but surrounded by farmland, all that sort of stuff. So it just doesn't feel like an accessible thing. Obviously, Australia, you're like a 15 hour flight from anywhere else, basically. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's super isolated. And I think um, at least for me, you know, this was such a a big part of moving to Australia because um, I never wanted to. Basically what happened was um, my uh, parents' work stopped paying for my school. Mm. Um, And school in Australia is free and I'm an Australian citizen. So my parents were like, all right, we're gonna go to Australia and you can go to school for free, like lucky you. And I was just so angry. I was so, so angry because I didn't know anything about the country. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and to give you a, like, I grew up in Tokyo in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, lived in the red light district of Harajuku. Yeah, I spent a lot of time there. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. you see, like, what I came from to moving to the outer suburbs of a small city in Australia (laughs) and I was just like furious all the time and I think that really colored my experience of Australia being this very isolated country and I think maybe I perceive it as a lot more isolated than it actually is um (laughs) I mean I don't think you're wrong in perceiving that though if you (laughs) even just look at a map though it's so far Mm. Very far away, very isolated, and very um, antiquated in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, not so um, isolated that it 
doesn't have any connection you know for example you're saying you've dated a lot of people from melbourne mm-hmm. and a lot of people from melbourne seem to know you so it's <laughs> geographically very isolated yes but um culturally i would say we're a lot more in tune with people from the u.s than yeah you would expect Yeah, I feel like there's a few countries that are all kind of on the same wavelength, like Canada, Australia, the UK, United States, even South Africa to a little bit. Weirdly, yes. Yeah. And the thing with social media is that even though we're days and days apart on a plane, we do feel quite close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can can definitely feel that. So... Did you just kind of have the desire to get out of Australia as soon as you could? Or was it a thing of like, I eventually need to get out. I just don't know when. I think when I was younger, yes, I always wanted to get out as soon as possible. But um, I also was living in um, a part of the country that was, you know, very beautiful it was in the rainforest. Mm. Um, I lived in a part of Australia where the rainforest meets the ocean. Wow. So like so Northern Australia? Yeah. Uh, the Northern Rivers. Maybe you mm. went to live more where they have the, uh, there's like a big gay festival there every year on New Year's. I, it's really nice. I don't know if I know about that. I've My partner really recently got into fishing and they were watching a fishing thing in like Northern Australia. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, being in the Bay, apparently there's um, crab everywhere here, like Dungeness crab, and there's so much of it that you can catch up to 10, and it's just fine. Wow, that's so, cool. Yeah, so for Christmas, my partner was like, oh, I want to try this. I'm like, okay, I will get you a fishing pole. <laughs> that's what you really want. So yeah, they were watching a video, and it was like, um, yeah, Northern Australia, and just really realizing how close it is to like the rest of Oceania and everything and mm. all those countries. I just didn't really, I guess I know on a map that they're close to it, but I just didn't really understand that it was like that tropical in Northern Australia and that culturally tied to that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very tropical. And I think once I moved there, I had this real struggle of like, um, you can stay in this really beautiful place and just never travel because it's so good or you can just force yourself to travel because otherwise you never will it was kind of this do or die moment Mm -hmm. that everything was so perfect that um yeah I guess I just thought if I don't do this now I never will that's such yeah. a big decision for like a 21, 22 year old. Like <laughs> that's so, I mean, I feel like that kind of comes up on this podcast a lot. Like for most people in porn, like you have to make these like very drastic decisions at a yeah. very young point in your life and that you made that decision at that point. You're like, okay, I want to do this. Yeah. I think if you're in somewhere that's really comfortable and um, you can be yourself and you can really like explore a lot of stuff you have to really say to yourself okay am I gonna travel or am I not because 
I'm not going to find anything better. I think it's almost easier if you're in a bit of a cultural wasteland because then you have to leave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I talk to people who are like, oh yeah, I knew from age like 15, I have to go. Honestly, I didn't think about leaving Michigan until like I went here for pride. And I was like, (laughs) holy shit, I need to, (laughs) I need to do this. Like, okay, I'll move here. If it's six months, that's great. We'll see what happens, you know? So when you did move to Germany, were you just like really driven to be like, okay, I want to really pursue porn full time and make stuff full time? Or was it more just trying to explore what it was all about? No, I just met a really hot person that I wanted to be with. And I just decided to be (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I wish it was something more deep than that. I just met a very, actually, I think maybe you met Frank. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just met Frank and I wanted to be with them and they like played the ukulele and sang me love songs and like. That won you over. Very attractive and I decided (laughs) to just move to Berlin to be with them. Um. (laughs) I mean, it all worked out. You're still there. Yeah, I'm still there. They went back to Australia and I stayed here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I moved for um, for my pussy. And, um, <laughs> um, but I stayed for, um, yeah, I don't know. I stayed for the community and the potential to be creative. Yeah, but I, yeah, I definitely it. did not move for anything more deep <laughs> than an attractive person. <laughs> so, like, were you watching specific porn or influenced by specific artists that really made you want to start producing your own stuff and get more involved in a more creative way, other than just being like, oh, this is the same as working the brothel for a hundred bucks for Australian bush porn, I guess <laughs> I would call it. I think um, what inspired me to do more artistic porn was never other pornographers or other sex workers. It was um, other filmmakers that I really fell in love with. Um, So I, you know, as I said, like I'm a huge fan of John Waters. Mm Um, I really loved the film Poison. I really loved um, <laughs> a lot of queer cinema, things like mm-hmm. Die Hard, all of the stuff. And um, I wanted to kind of do films like this, more like a non- more like non-mainstream and more things that were very trashy, Mm. very celebrating queer culture. And I love B movies, you know? Yeah. You Um, want like a level of camp to it where you want it to feel a little bit. Very camp. And I am not the best actress in the world. Like I can act a little bit, but not so much. Um, But I am comfortable being on film and, um, I am comfortable having sex on camera. So I thought, 
why not kind of create porn films that are like the kind of mainstream films that mm. I really like? You know, like what happened with Kendall Dreaming. Yeah, like, I mean, I that's totally to... a John Waters-esque thing. Exactly. I wanted to make something that was very surreal and that was very queer and very camp. And um, sure, it has sex in it, but that's not really the point of the film. Yeah, and it's I just part of it. That porn scene does not exist outside of Berlin. <laughs> no. So why not take advantage of it? <laughs> I feel like Berlin has changed what porn can mean so much. Yeah. Where I feel like I was so burnt out when I first went to Berlin. I was like so ready to give up on porn. I was so burnt out by American porn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was all just like, oh, what's going to sell? What's going to make the most money? Mm -hmm. And that's like all I was hearing for literally, I think like five years. And then I got to Berlin and I was screening my film fucking against fascism. And then I was like, and then someone was like, oh, there's another film called fuck the fascism and in America. It's like, fuck, this person's <gasps> going to try to fight me yeah. or something. The and then I met up. Film. Yeah. And then I met up with them and they showed me their stuff. I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And they're like, oh yeah, your stuff's cool too. And like, I just remember this. Them, Cause I was the first filmmate, um, roommate. Mm-hmm when we met you and they were so excited that you came here and they were just like okay well we have to make friends with this person <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that I'm so relieved though so, yeah I like I genuinely think their shit's so cool like I show it to people so often where like anyone doesn't know anything about porn I'm like oh you need to look at this now it's them like yeah. pissing on fascist graves and I'm I'm such a history nerd too, so that they like work all the historical stuff into their porn. Mm. So you also like learn about the fucked up shit that happened. It's just so cool to me, like overlapping activism, history, porn, direct action. It's just so cool. I actually met my current partner doing a film with Basura. Um <laughs> We were doing this uh, movie and there's a statue in um, Berlin that we were all going to fuck on. And so we all got together and we were like vomiting on this statue. <laughs> and, like <laughs> talking about, it was the Bismarck statue. Yeah. You know, which is like this completely fucked historical figure. And there's a monument in Berlin to Bismarck that shows um, it's so him up. standing on the throat of a lion reading to him and it like celebrates the idea of Germany bringing knowledge to Africa it's awful and I remember we were just like destroying this monument and like looking at um, Pancha like we weren't together yet but it mm -hmm. was like a really romantic moment um just like pissing and like throwing eggs on this statue and then fucking on it and I was like okay this is the person I'm gonna be with for the next five years <laughs> <laughs> it's so amazing it's just like I feel like there's so much in history that people just don't know that mm. you just have to research and like even with that thing where I was like oh I want to learn more about that I went down a wikipedia hole and it's like oh yeah that's where Hitler wanted the grand stadium for his yeah 
whole like new reich thing that was going to conquer the world and it's like that shit still exists there like why wouldn't you just tear every part of that down i just don't understand in the least amount i don't know i'm just particularly like world war one and world war two history it's just so interesting to me and how it shaped so much of our modern world and how much of the stuff just still exists it's so wild to me and it's crazy that this is a part of the sex industry that mm-hmm. we're making porn that is for people to jack off to but there's a hidden message in it like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how hidden it is <laughs> not even hidden but i think it's amazing that um like nowhere else but berlin mm-hmm. would you make a porno about destroying monuments to colonialism yeah. <laughs> i th- in in the united states it's just so much about completely about money with porn where yeah. it's like well we can't have this kind of person in porn because then people won't buy it and then all of our companies are going to go under and we're all going to die essentially like that's how the mindset is so going to berlin just being like oh yeah we're just going to do whatever and yeah. oh yeah we're going to piss on some graves let's do it just like <laughs> this is so fucking cool and so punk and like not even like some sort of fake thing that's like oh yeah we're doing this for clout not at all it's just like yeah we're gonna inform some people and do and piss on this person's grave because fuck them yeah like i love that maybe we'll inform some people but we're just gonna do it anyway (laughs) yeah it just yeah i feel like i could rant about them for so long but even like what even like more polished like European porn like four chambers is is it's just so different than anything in the United States where it's like a straight up nine inch nails music video that they're like oh it's porn though like it's a hundred percent I did a scene for them I got back I'm like this is a hundred percent a nine inch nails video from like the early 90s amazing it's just so great but I don't know I just feel like that's what gave me so much hope to continue doing porn because Mm. coming there I was just so like, oh my God, I hate all of this shit. <laughs> I hate like me being like, hey, can you not call trans women females? People are like, you're going to destroy porn. You're so radical. Yeah. And, and then I come here and it's like, oh no, like we're pissing on graves and shit. And like <laughs> telling people about how human zoos used to exist and how fucked up that is. I'm just like, it's the real stuff, you know? Yeah, it's the real deal. But how is it um, for you, I guess, because like you do have this really incredible radical side to your work and um, yeah, as someone who's like very strongly against using slurs to define yourself in the industry, how do you, if you don't mind me asking, how do you really balance that um, radical side with coming back to the US and having to do the more mainstream work and market yourself? I think it's using even my non-political porn to give back to a certain way. Like um, Mm -hmm. when the red light district shut down in Amsterdam, I did a thing um, where I screened my last film there um, right before the last Berlin Porn Film Festival um, that was like fully operational. So I think 2019. So I'm like, if you donate, I'll just give you a free movie. Like, I don't really, I don't care. You can have the file, go for it. Or like um, I donated to 
Black Lives Matter, Trans Lifeline, UN Refugee Fund, and Planned Parenthood in the States for um, fucking against fascism. So I think it's like, even if you don't have these huge things that are overtly doing something as radical as being like, we're going to try to like take down a statue or whatever, which I think is fucking amazing. I think there's little ways you can do that. And also just like not being quiet about shit and just being real with your own life experience, you know? I think for me, that's how I've been able to do it. But I don't know. I feel like I got blacklisted by most of the companies that are still using slurs or still were using slurs. So I guess that kind of helped in a way for it not to get too convoluted where they're like, oh, why are you speaking out against these slurs when you're getting marketed as such? And yeah, it's not really happening that much in trans porn for companies at least. Mm. So I think that makes me really just hopeful about the future. Um, I don't know if you follow um, at AVN this last year, the biggest film of the night, um, Who Won Grand Reel was a trans film. Okay, cool. And there was like really no backlash at all. Yeah. So it just makes me feel really hopeful about kind of what the future is for trans people in mainstream porn, where I don't feel like trans people are as limited as they once were. That's really cool. Yeah, I really, as much as I love all the radical stuff that we do, I think um, being able to make small changes in the mainstream is also like where it's at, really. I, th- I think it's both. I think there's a need for all this radical art porn in Europe and throughout the world that has a space at these festivals and is doing screenings. But I also think there is also positive things about mainstream porn. I think where mainstream porn is right now, I think it's moving in a really good direction where it's a lot of performer turned directors winning awards. I think they're starting to become more diversity. I think these award shows have a lot of a way to go still, but Mm. I think it's definitely going in the right direction, which makes me pretty hopeful about porn as a whole. But also we're in the middle of a whole pandemic and shooting is so difficult right now. So I think it's, Porn's a lot of things right now. What do you think? I think it's it's a mix of both. Like uh, one of the things, you know, it's so frustrating for me as someone who's in their mid to late 30s being in the sex industry at a time when you have to be so tech savvy because people of my age are like just a little bit too old to have grown up with the internet like (laughs) yeah you're two years too old for the internet to be super ingrained in the way we do things so it's learning all of that but one of the things that I do really feel has happened is there's been a kind of democratizing of the way we represent ourselves, which is so amazing. And something that I didn't see being possible five years ago. Mm -hmm. Like um, anyone with a phone can be in the top 10% of OnlyFans now. Yeah, you can shoot a film that's getting into festivals or getting award nominations on your iPhone now. Exactly. You can be in film festivals, you can be on OnlyFans, you can be on like many vids, whatever. 
like um you can achieve this kind of dominance with your work that was not possible for the average person five years ago and one of the really cool things with that is that you can choose how you represent yourself and some people are still choosing to go with the slurs and they're still choosing to go with the more anachronistic representations and good for them yeah if you want to reclaim that more power to you but if you don't want to do that you don't have to anymore Mm -hmm. whereas i think five seven years ago you really had to a hundred percent like you were really one of the trailblazers in refusing to be labeled that way yeah i was i was very upset (laughs) you were really one of the first yeah i was just like (laughs) because all my influences in porn were about doing things like sasha gray is my biggest influence by far and her entire thing in porn was like oh i want to do extreme things but i'm also going to speak what i'm feeling and talk about the issues in the industry so i think being from michigan i was naive that i was like oh everyone's gonna be like oh that's a good point we should listen to this girl instead of like (laughs) blacklisting me and harassing me online and all this stuff i was very much like oh yeah people will be like oh yeah why don't we have any trans women at this company or why are we calling them slurs that you know Mm. glad and all the other queer organizations are being like you can't do that (laughs) but yeah i guess i didn't really have that many influences in like a whole TS porn world where I've obviously were inf- was influenced by some like trans performers like Drew DeVoe or Toby Holmeyer who were like doing the queer mm-hmm. porn stuff or lesbian porn but most of my influences were cis so <laughs> I feel like I kind of got put in a weird thing where I'm like I want to do what Stoya is doing or what Sasha Gray is doing and they're just like oh no you have to do this weird TS porn that I'm like I don't want to do any of these things I don't do any of these things during sex it's not gonna look good and I think I was really lucky to have some directors who got what I was doing and being like, okay, I understand what you're doing, but I feel like what mini vids and clips for sale has done has just opened up the industry so much Mm -hmm. because there's no gatekeeper telling you what you can and cannot be called. There's no gatekeeper telling you what you can and cannot shoot or how you have to shoot it. Yeah. And there's so many girls now that are just like, they've never shot with a company. Yeah. that are in the top earners of these like science like many vids i think um one of the top earners is just a girl that does solos like a uh, milf themed solos mm-hmm. with like a dildo and has never even performed with another person which is so cool that you can be the top earner on a porn site with literally no one telling you what to do like <laughs> it's, it's just so cool I feel like that's what gives me so much hope about the future of the yeah. industry is I think there's obviously some scary things with content trade um there's some major issues that have been happening in Vegas with people taking tests and stuff mm-hmm. because they feel like they have to consistently be working and obviously with COVID there's been yeah. a lot of people have gotten COVID in the industry from a bunch of content trade but I feel like at the same time with all of this I think it's just like so important that you know, there's not this one director or this one cis guy who's going to tell you, oh no, this is how sex actually works. Yeah. These people would say stuff like that back in the day, you know, like oh on my set. God. The amount of times that I had like um, 
So I would always use condoms if someone didn't have a HPV vaccine. Mm -hmm. And people would be like, oh, but we'll make a lot more money if we do bareback. And I was like, okay, but I just told you that I'm not going to do it. And it was like this really subtle pressure of like, oh, we'll let you do it. But like, you probably won't be invited back. Yeah, that's like such an issue. Manipulation that doesn't have as much power anymore because you can make your own content, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think it's just so different now. I think, especially because we've seen it both ways in the industry, mm-hmm. that I think for so so many new performers, it's just unimaginable. Also, like I've interviewed, I think two or three performers who've only had their careers during the pandemic. That's which really is interesting. so their whole idea of porn is like, oh, well, you do stuff at home and then <laughs> you build it up and then occasionally you'll get a shoot and you go fly to this place, do a shoot, come back home and continue doing your stuff at home. Wow. It's just like so interesting to me because it's so different because before I feel like the whole mindset was you move to a city, you try to get as many gigs as possible, then you hope you have a career and you can stay there. Exactly. It was such a numbers game back mm-hmm. in the day. Like you just had to work for everyone and hope that you got enough traffic that you could like turn it into something. Yep. Yeah. It's just <laughs> so crazy how porn's so different. And neither of us have been in this industry for like, I mean, I guess in porn terms, it's been a while for both of us, but in general, well, like veterans. Yeah. Eight years in porn. I mean, I guess that's a veteran, but it's very strange to think that you're like not, neither of us are 40 yet. And we're like, wow, this industry day and night. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is cool to be part of this whole shift and just how it's changed so much. So I have um, two questions left for you. Thank you so much. First off for chatting. It's just so nice to talk to you again. It's been literally three years I think last time I saw you was literally at the festival and it's so weird to think my biggest issue when I was in Berlin last time was wow we can't get a ticket to any screening that we actually have (laughs) every like aisle it has people sitting in it like it's just so crazy to think that was my biggest issue pre-pandemic the last time I was in Berlin just being like just too many people want to see porn back in the day I remember that yeah having to like talk to the the organizers and be like hey don't you think you should make it so that the people in the film should be allowed to see it (laughs) yeah (laughs) just such a crazy (laughs) experience um I really hope that festival can come back and be what it was just because it was so special also I felt like if it continued at that point they literally needed to like get a small arena like there was so many people like that they had like four, yeah, they had four different theaters and they were all, every single screening was sold out from yeah. like noon until like midnight. It's just so crazy. I think the problem was like uh, everyone knew it was too small, but no one wanted to um, leave because back in the day, the porn film festival started before it was cool to do porn film festivals. Mm-hmm. So they were the only people that would let us do it there. And now that it's super cool, everyone's like, oh, let me host your porn film festival. 
and we don't want to be like turning our back on this cinema but also we just aren't physically fit <laughs> yeah I can't believe the history of that cinema I recently looked it up it's crazy you know that's the oldest cinema in all of Germany yeah just so crazy that that's the place that there's all this poor memories but um, my question is you've obviously kind of shot porn all over the place do you have a specific city or a place you really enjoyed shooting porn I think like Berlin porn film festival week I think the energy shooting there is really high for me also love shooting in Amsterdam and then like Vegas um, week of AVN has like a very similar vibe to Berlin where it's just like everyone in the world you know I feel like is there shooting basically yeah Yeah, I really um I really love shooting in Berlin I think just for the pure sake that um there is so much happening here all the time and um everyone's kind of expressing themselves in the way that they want and it's got this real beauty to it but um, I would also say, like, um, I really like uh, working in Chile because I will say, like, Chile and Latin America have this, like, real punk DIY spirit that I think is kind of lacking in Berlin. Like, I think... Um, if you go to Latin America and you see what's happening there at the moment, it's kind of like what people imagine Berlin was like 30, 20 years ago. Mm. Like there's this real anti-capitalist movement happening there and it's so creative and it's so unique. And I think, um, yeah, if you ever have the opportunity yeah, I'm to, hoping. Uh, to go to Chile, I really, really recommend you to go and do some more fuck the fascism stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's a dream right there. there. (laughs) Rightfully so. They should be like, (laughs) there should be like little kids wearing fuck the fascism t-shirts. Like it's a soccer club or something. Like, I feel like that's the fashion they deserve there. It's just so, yeah. But I recommend like, Chelsea, you have a lot of fans in Latin America. So really do go yeah. there I'm, honestly <laughs> if I can get out of California at any time soon I, I haven't left my time zone since I've been back from Berlin so I'm like very ready <laughs> like even across the country I haven't been back to Michigan in four years in three years so I'm just like wow that's like in my head that feels like going to Japan or going to Europe right now where I'm like three hours on a plane that's crazy <laughs> But here's hoping, like, I've had, I've done a few festivals down there, and it seems like there's a really growing porn scene, both in Chile, in Brazil. It seems like there's just really a passionate, yeah. really growing thing, which is really exciting. And there, I think there's, like, three or four festivals. I can't remember the name of the festival. There's one festival that goes all through um, Latin and Central America that... One year it was in Mexico City, one year it was in Rio, I think last year it was in Colombia maybe, but just kind of goes all around. It's all just different porn stuff, nice. which is really cool. There's yeah. also I, a queer film festival in Valparaiso. Oh yeah, that's um, 
oh, what is it called? It, there's like three X's in the name, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was or in the-, the last year, I think. I think the Kendall Dreaming Sea might have been in it. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to promote it if we're going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a queer porn film festival in Valparaiso. Um, and I think like um, that's just going to get bigger and bigger, this scene there, because there's a really big anarchist, queer, trans, creative scene in that part of the world. It's going to be really interesting to see where queer porn continues to spread in the next, you know, 10 years, because it's really kind of everywhere now. I mean, I'm not aware of any festivals in Africa or really in Asia as a whole, but I'm sure they're, they exist and they're probably going to start becoming bigger. Exactly. I was just thinking this the other day is like, we're so connected with films in Europe and we're so connected with films in the UK and the US and Latin America, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it would just be pure arrogance to assume that there wasn't an equally big scene in North Africa or in Thailand or in China. And we just need to find a way to connect with it. (laughs) Yeah, I remember um, there was someone at Berlin a few years ago trying to start a festival in Hong Kong, which was really interesting. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's eventually going to happen. It's just so interesting to see this whole movement really spread around the world and really become a thing that the whole world's engaging in. Mm -hmm. Just, I think, so special to be part of something like that because, yeah, there's just not that many art movements, I feel like, that truly have that happen art horrors taking (laughs) (laughs) it's really exciting in a way though just to be like wow there's really people all over the world making porn right now and yeah that's what really excites me (laughs) see I think that's what always gets me back to feeling positive about porn I'm like wow Mm. it's this thing that it unites everyone essentially like everyone watches some variety of porn basically at least some point in their life like it's this like bigger thing that brings us all together. I don't know. I'm going to go down the whole sentimental (laughs) thing right now. So I have one final question for you. This is my only like kind of clickbaity question. If you could magically change one thing in porn that would totally be different when you wake up tomorrow, what would it be? Oh, if I can change one thing in porn. I can also answer it if you need me to buy time for you. No problem at all. I think if I could change one thing in porn, it would be to remove the imperative to make money. Because I think so much of the most interesting stuff that we make, whether it's mainstream or art porn or queer porn or like whatever, So many of us have our best ideas just coming from what we think is cool or what we Mm -hmm. think is arty or what we think we would love to see. And I think if we could remove the imperative to make profit off our work, God, we would be making so much amazing stuff every single day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it just is a word world as a whole. 
if you're just like let's just remove capitalism that would solve so many epic yeah problems. that's right that's <laughs> i mean that's a very good answer <laughs> See, my answer is always like, oh, I just want content trade to speed up because I'm like, I just want studios to lose power. I just don't want them. <laughs> but like also abolishing capitalism definitely just speeds that up. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a really good answer. Um, do you have any um, social media links that you want to plug or anything? Oh, I wish I did, but you know, I'm so lazy. I would just say, um, if you want to follow what I'm doing, the best place would be Twitter, Deonda Rossi. Um, and if you're ever into camming and getting a cam show, I'm always on Streammate, so. <laughs> oh, can I just mention before we go that your poor name is from Portia de Rossi and it took me so <laughs> realized to, to realize that. And I realized that I'm like, wow. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Dion. It was so great to chat with you. It was so nice to chat with you as well. I've missed talking to you. Likewise. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>